We're going to close out the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. You guys are at the tail end with me. We're going to finish this up. Philippians chapter 4, we're on verse 10, okay? And then we're going down to verse 23 because that's the last verse. And so here's the deal with Philippians, this portion of Scripture anyway. Uh, He's writing to the church. That's why they're the epistles. He's writing to the church, and he's saying, thank you. Thank you for being so good to me. Thank you for going out of your way to supply my needs. Thank you for being caring and generous. But through it all, he's also explaining to the church that I'm a content man. I am very grateful for what I have in my life right now, regardless of how bad it looks. I know I'm in prison. I know it looks really sketchy because I'm, I'm, I'm in this position that's not the best. Pause real quick. I'm going to fix this. I got little ears. so Don't make fun of me, Richard. He's shaking his head like I did something wrong. It won't stay on my ears, okay? I have the know. Speaking of my ears, I was talking to Santa Claus, back to Santa, and I said, I'd love to travel and do stuff with you. He's got all these gigs. And he said, I got a suit for you. So I think that means I'm going to be an elf. I don't know. But I'm going to have to warn him my ears are little. So if we're going to put those pointy things on, we're going to have to adjust them just right. Just a little side note there. I'm with Santa. I'm on his team. So let's look at this, okay? He's addressing the church saying, I'm so happy. I'm so, I'm so excited for you. But I'm also wanting you to know through all of the things I'm about to say, I'm grateful and content. So that's the emphasis. We're going to focus on Christian contentment. It's different than just being content as a person. There's Christian contentment. So we're going to look at it together, okay? The theme of this portion of Scripture is undoubtedly uh, the true understanding of commitment. Uh, Contentment, not commitment. What is contentment? Well, let me explain it this way by starting off by understanding what contentment is not. Contentment is not denying the reality of your pain and your difficulties and your problems in life. How many have problems and difficulties in life? Would you raise your hand? If you're not raising your hand, you're either lazy or a liar. So just raise your hand. We all have it. Uh, Contentment is not saying, I don't have issues. It's not saying, I have issues and I'm just happy about it. I don't think Paul, during the five best years of his life, he was all excited about being in prison, strapped to a prison guard, living with rats and eating the sorriest food known to man. Paul is wanting to be encouraging to the church and let them know to be content, but understand contentment doesn't mean you have to settle for less than the best. Uh, Paul is not wanting us to be stoic and not wanting us to be like those people that lie on a bed of nails or walk across the hot coals and deny the pain they're really feeling. That's not contentment. Furthermore, contentment is not actually acting like there's nothing going wrong in your life. You know, those people that act like they got it all together and they're just so happy. It goes further than that. Listen, contentment, true contentment is resting in the sufficiency of God for your life. True contentment is believing, verse 19, we're going to see in a minute, is to be true. Resting on God's resources for your circumstances. That's what true contentment is. So I'm going to go through this with you and kind of explain how we can have Christian contentment in our life. The question is this, how can I have the contentment that Christ ordained and designed for me as a Christian? Um, I believe the answer is here. You guys ready? Look with me? All right, well, let's do it. So we're going to do is, we're going to start in verse 10. And he's just addressed in the church right here. He says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein 
ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. He says, listen, you, everything you've done for me, it's flourishing, it's God's blessing it. And so let's see what else he has to say. Let's pause. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we pray and ask God that you bless the service and everything that takes place. Give us wisdom and knowledge as we uh, talk about Paul's life and the, the letter to the church. Pray, Lord, you be glorified and help us learn from it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Christian contentment, how's it work? Well, there's only two things I'm going to give you, okay? It's real simple. Christian contentment, number one, comes through learning. It comes through learning. If you're one of those studious people, you can take a pen and write that down. I don't know if you'll ever look at it again, but just pretend you are intelligent and you are interested in what I got to say. Don't shake your head yes. I know you ain't listening. Christian contentment comes through learning. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, the very next verse says this. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be what? Content. He said, let me tell you something. I'm not saying I'm not happy with what's going on and I'm in want. I have learned, key word here, learned to be content where I'm at. Christian contentment comes through learning. Learning to be content is a process. You can write that down too if you want to. I know you're not going to, but it's a process. How many know what that means? How do you, how do you make contentment a process? I'm going to explain it the best way I know how. So the very next verse, which is verse 12, I know both how to be uh, abased and I know how to be abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I know how to survive in all kinds of circumstances. I know how to be content regardless of what comes my way. Why is this? Because I learned to do that. I learned how. He said, I speak in respect of not needing want and not having want, for I have learned through numerous circumstances, especially the one I'm in now, how to be content. So Paul helps the church understand the necessity of learning to allow God work whatever way he wants and whatever condition he wants to work in in your life and his life. How do you do that? I'm going to give you the best way I knew growing up how to do it and letting go, learning to be content, the process. It wasn't easy. I'm not an easy learner. I have a very difficult time learning. You say, how many learn the hard way? You ever done that? Well, Christian contentment comes through learning, and the, the process of learning to be content, it can be slow for some. It can be easy for others. So when I was um, getting ready to go to college, um, I was preparing to go to school, and I, I came across this older man that my mom worked for. She cleaned houses. And every time I go to his house, you remember Mr. Harmon? Yeah, of course you do. There's a story behind that. You have to ask Pastor Tony about Mr. Harmon. So uh, he had his house sit one time, and it just did not go, go well. Mm. He came home early. and Anyway, that's another story, another time. Mr. Hartman, he was such a loving, giving guy. He had this sports car, a little sports car. To you, it would probably be nothing. To me, it was awesome. And then me and Tony would look at it because we always drove junk. And I said, wouldn't it be cool to have a little car like that? I mean, I know it's no Mustang, but it's cool. It's a cool little, little car. It was a geostorm. It was yellow. You know, it's cool. There it is. And I said, I, want, I would love to have that car. Well, a couple of years later, 
Mr. Harmon met with me and says, I know you're going to college, you're finishing up, this is your senior year. You've been driving that 15-passenger van to school. Yes, I have. Horrible. It was brown. It was horrible. One was blue and white. My dad had two. I don't know what was his fetish with big 15-passenger vans, maybe because he got a great deal on it. He said, I want you to have this car. I'm going to cut you the best deal ever, 1000 bucks. 1000 bucks. It was like brand new. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. Not only that, I'm going to let you make payments whenever you can. I know you don't have any money working for Chick-fil-A. Just pay whenever you can. Don't worry about it. Great. So I got the car. I was so excited. And I'm preparing to go to Bible college, right? Have my sweet car. I'm going to look good for the girls at Bible college. I'm a freshman. I'm going to pull up with very little hair, but I got a nice car. So the time comes, and I don't have enough money. I didn't make enough money to go to college. I needed a down payment. I needed to, it just wasn't good, you know. And uh, so at the, this time, I wasn't working for Chick-fil-A. I was working for my brother, Denny. And my brother, Denny, just said, if you know my brother, how many are friends with Denny on Facebook? He don't even know you probably, and you're friends with him. You just have to know my brother. He said, Dave, you got to make a decision. Get it in your brain. You're never going to Bible college. It's not going to work. You don't have the money. So you can stay here, and you see the guy over there. I'll fire him today, and you can work for me and stay on. Or you can decide to go to Bible college, and I fire you today. I said, really? Just like that? You're my brother. And he goes, yeah, just like that. So I said, I'm going to Bible college. I don't care if you don't think I have the money. I'm going to Bible college. We'll get back to the yellow car. You'll get there. So I said, I'm going. And he said, okay. Call mom. You're fired. Because you, 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 I took you to work. You're going to go home on your own. So I called mom. She picked me up. I went home. What a great brother. But he was testing me. God was using Denny. How? But he did to test me. He was putting me through the process. Learning to be content is a process. And Paul said it takes time to learn to be content with what things you have. So I go home. I said, Dad, I don't have any money. I got to go to college. But I got an idea. Remember when Tony left? Yeah. We all remember. It was a big party. It was a celebration. Tony left. He was gone. He married some girl. And it was great. He left a car in the middle of nowhere in Hartsville, Alabama, at an old rednecks place that was fixing the car. And I said, you know what we ought to do? We ought to go there and get the car. And, and Dad says, that car has been sitting in the middle of that. How many know what a backyard mechanic is? All right. Can we jump ahead? I know I didn't put, just show them that backyard mechanic. I know it's not a, this is a backyard mechanic, at least in Alabama. This is Roy. Roy's a good man. Bubba, my best friend, that's his uncle. And Roy has all kinds of cars all over his yard. So I went to Roy and I said, Roy, I need that car. I'm going to take that car and I'm going to get it running and I'm going to sell it. He said, have you seen the car? I said, I don't care. I'm going to make it look good. I'm going to sell it, make a pretty penny. Bam. You'll never forget this point because I have the longest illustration in the world. So he said, go get the car. It's in the back. It barely runs. Didn't even get to fix it. I used a bar of soap to plug the gas tank. That's what they do down south. So I went and got the car. Well, actually, I sat. It was dark outside, beautiful night. My brother Denny was with me. (laughs) Imagine that. And I'm sitting there on the edge of a cow field, and my yellow car is all lit up, beautiful. Lights are on, sitting there running. I'm waiting for the other guy. Comes up. (laughs) Muffler fell off on the way up the hill. 
He pulls up. It looks horrific, horrible. Do we have a picture of it? This isn't the, the exact one. No paint on it. Peeled off. One headlight would stay down. One headlight would stay up. I know why you left this car behind. This used to be Tony's car. And I looked at that car and I thought, I won't even make enough money to buy jeans for college. How am I going to sell this car? And I sat in the field. Meh. Behind me. Cows. That was a cow. And I'm looking at my car, and I'm looking at that car, and Denny's talking to Roy, the redneck, inside about getting the keys and the extra whatever. And I thought, God, I am happy with the yellow car, but I can't sell that car and go to college. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I imagine Paul was probably sitting in prison going, I am trying to be happy serving you, but I've been in prison for five years. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Be content. It's a process. I got a purpose for you. Where you're at right now in this place of your life, there's a reason. Learn to be content. It's a process. Christian contentment comes with learning. So my brother comes out. He said, it's good to go. Let's take the car and let's get out of here. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then God hit me. It was like a revelation in the middle of the field. It was like the shepherds sitting there watching their flock by night. And I knew at that very moment what I had to do. There's my car. Ah, there's. So I go home and I look at my dad and I said, I know what I'm going to do. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to fix the gray car. He said, you ain't going to make anything out of it. I said, no, but I can sell it the yellow car and I'll make a good chunk out of it. I only pay a thousand. I still owe the guy, but I'll pay him back. He said, sell it. You're going to sell it. You got like two weeks. I said, God is able. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell the car. So I sold the car. What's the point? I took the old car. I had to take the old gray car. Why? Because I had to learn to be content with such things as I have. Do you want to go to college? Yes. Do you want to settle? It's not necessarily settling. It was the need. It was a need. Transportation was a need. The other car was a want. The church provided the need for Paul. They supplied, and he said it's a process to be content. Am I happy about being in prison? No, but God has a purpose. And God used that soldier that was strapped to him to write down some incredible things that we've learned today called the armor of God. There was a purpose. And that purpose came with the process and the process brought forth contentment. Now let me tell you something. The Bible says, show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy path. Lead me in the truth And teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation, and thee do I wait all the day. Contentment is a process. It's it's a learning thing. The process of contentment comes with trusting God that everything's going to work out. He's got a way to work things out. And, And the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for what? To for good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. He has a purpose and a plan. But contentment comes with a process, and it comes by learning. Learning to be content is a passion, too. Look at the very next verse. So we went from verse 10, 11, 12. Look at verse 13. I can do all things through. Man, that was horrible. I can do all things through who strengthens me. He said, listen, church, it's a process to learn to be content. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know he is able. I know he is willing. So, 
Here I am again with my car. I have that old car, that old piece of junk you left me. I have a couple of weeks to sell the other car. Basically two weeks. The car sold within three days. So I met with Mr. Harmon. And I said, Mr. Harmon, I need to pay you back. He said, let's go out to eat. I said, let's do it, especially since he was paying. So we went out to eat. He said, Dave, tell me about college. What are you going to do? I said, well, I sold your car, but I want to pay you back. So I gave him $1,000. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay for your meal, and I'm giving you $500 back. I only want $500. You go to school. You serve the Lord. You your best. And through all this, I know God's going to teach you something. So I went home, had the money. I'm ready to go, and then it hit me. This car will never make it to Knoxville, Tennessee. Never. I crack the hood open, literally. Look inside, look in the hood, and there's a bird nest there. I'm not kidding you. The bird nest is in the middle of the engine. Bird is like, what are you doing here? I've been living here for 15 years. What are you taking the car for? So I decide I'm going to move the bird nest. I'm going to take the car up to another backyard mechanic. What am I thinking? I was already in this guy's yard, Roy Griffin, for 15 years. Maybe I'm being dramatic with that. So I go to this other one I heard about maybe three miles down the road. And I came to him and I said, I heard that you were a good mechanic. I'm wondering if you could help me out. Now I'm only about three days away from leaving. No kidding. I said, the side window don't roll up. The sunroof, it's cool, it had a sunroof. It didn't seal. One headlight would come on. The other one just flipped down all the time. One was like this. It's like... And, and I said, and it, bar- it keeps on overheating. I can't figure that one out. He said, well, let me look into it. And I said, he said, when do you need it? I said, I, I got about a day. He said, a day? He, I said, yeah, but listen, man. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I believe God is going to give me this car and it's going to run awesome and you're going to fix it. I was 19 years old. This guy's probably 55, 60, I don't know. He said, you're going to, you, you've, He's not a Christian, obviously. You think God's going to fix this car in one night? I said, yes, and we're going to do whatever it takes. You mean I'm going to do whatever it takes, and I'll pay you. I don't have a lot of money, but you fix the car, and I can go to college. He said, I'll do my best. So he worked on the car. Now it's about 10 o'clock. He calls me and said, Dave, I cannot figure out what's wrong with your car. I said, listen, I don't know. I was in a zone, man. I had passion. You know why I had passion? Because Christian contentment comes through learning, and learning is a process, and learning to be content is a passion. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I said to him, honest to God, I said, listen, man, God is going to use you to fix that car. It will be fixed tonight. I'm going to college in one day, and you're going to get me there. I promise you, God's going to do it. Now let's pray. Boom, we pray on the phone. This guy thinks I'm nuts. Go to bed. Next day, he calls me and said, Dave, you come over by the house. I stayed up all night fixing your car. Guess what? God fixed your car. You could drive this car to California. It ain't going to overheat. It's ready to go. He said, I even fixed your window. <laughs> Get that. Power windows. Yeah. First class. Why? Because I believe I can do all things through Christ. Strengthens me. He gives me ability and the strength to do it. And so Paul looks at the church and says, you know what? Listen, because what you've done for me and how you supplied my needs, God is going to supply your needs. And you can do anything as long as you put him first. He is going to be there right by your side because Christian contentment comes through learning. And learning is a process. And this contentment is a passion that you have to have. It's not easy. 
but you can get there. Paul was determined that God can and will help him through any situation just as long as it was in God's strength and not his own. Listen, you can do it, but you got to put God first and let him take control. I'm not saying you're a puppet, but you almost got to live your life like that. You almost got to live your life in such a way you say, God, you control me in any way you want. You just control my arms, my thoughts, my walk, my direction, and I'm going to be content with whatever situation I'm in because this is why I can do it with your help. Now, it might not be great, and I'm not saying I'm going to be happy with arthritis or cancer or disease or sickness, but I know through you, I can trust you, control me, help me, manage me, use me, and I can do this because you're able. Now, here's the other thing. Christian contentment comes through serving. Serving. You say, how does that make any sense? I know you have to learn how, but serving, why? Let's go to the next verse, verse 14. Notwithstanding ye have well done, that ye did communicate with all my afflictions. Here's the thing. You knew where I was and what I needed. You were there for me. And then the Bible goes on to the next verse, verse 15. And he begins to explain that I was there preaching the gospel. I was giving the word of God. And you still stepped in, even when I moved out of that scene, even when I moved on, you were there in Thessalonica. You were providing my needs. You were blessing me. You were strengthening me. Let me tell you, you were serving me. And through that, serving brings fruit. Verse 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. This is kind of twofold. He's saying, I preached the gospel to your people, and they got saved, and they were added to the church. That's the fruit of the gospel. But you were serving and loving me, and that is counted to your spiritual account. It was added to your spiritual account. God is going to bless you for that. God is going to use that because Christian contentment comes through serving, and that serving brings forth fruit, and that's what you've done. He said, I, I didn't desire for you to come along and give me anything. God's good. I'm doing good. But you did it anyway. God's going to bless you for it, just like he blessed me for giving your people the gospel, and they came to know the Lord. The church would receive blessings through their giving to Paul, just as Paul received blessings by giving the gospel to the church. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also, what? Sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I can show you a bus route that's flourishing because they're doing their very best to serve on that bus route. I can show you a children's department with a Sunday school teacher that has a class that's excited and they're getting the fruits of that class because kids are getting saved and lives are being changed and God's blessing them for that because that person is passionate and excited about what they're doing. But if you're not serving with passion and excitement, then you're not going to see the fruits through your labor. And in the end, you're not going to see God bless you, as 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says. You, you give a little, you get a little. We're not in this to reap. Even Paul said in verse 17, I, I didn't desire a gift. I, I did this to give you fruit. And you gave me a blessing and, and helped me in time of need. And God's going to bless you for it. Remember, when you're in prison at this period of time, 
They weren't giving you a meal in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon. It didn't work that way. It was only supplied through the church or the people or friends or family. And they were blessing him and strengthening him through that. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Given and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. <clears throat> shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye have met with all, it shall be measured to you again. The Bible makes it clear. You give and God will give back. Christian contentment comes through serving. Serving brings forth the fruit. The fruit was given to the church. The blessings also were given to Paul because he was given back to the church. And I saw, I'll tell you this. Serving also brings provision. You know, when you're serving the Lord and you're being content with the job he's given you and you're going to do the best you can with it, God starts blessing you and he's going to prosper you and he's going to supply your needs all at the same time. You ever had a job you couldn't stand but you did it the very best you knew how and God blessed you for it? You ever been there? You ever had a job you couldn't stand and you acted like you couldn't stand it? <laughs> one day I worked for Wendy's. One day. Never forget it. Yeah, you never know that. I walked in the Wendy's and they said, put your apron on, go back here. And they started sending me orders. They didn't even teach me how to make a burger. The only thing they stopped to show me is I was putting the, the ketchup on wrong. They said, you don't do this with the ketchup, you do a W for Wendy. That's all you're going to give me? You didn't even tell me how to make a double cheeseburger. You're telling me? That may be McDonald's. I don't even remember what was going on. I didn't like that job, so I'm sorry. I didn't put a lot of effort into it, but I didn't serve well, and I didn't get blessed. I quit before I got fired, but I wasn't blessed. I didn't tell. Christian contentment comes through serving, and when you serve, serving brings forth fruit, and God provides your needs. He blesses those that are content with such things as they have. But my God, in the very next verse, the Bible goes on. Verse 18, let's stop there for just a second. In verse 18, it goes on to explain the blessings that were given to him and how God used it in such a way that Paul literally said, man, it was just like, it was like a sacrifice unto God. Your, your blessings on me, they were so wonderful that it was literally like an acceptable sacrifice to God. That's how much you blessed me. Very next verse, he goes on to say, and listen here, church, my God shall supply all your needs according to riches and glory for what you've done for me. And he supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory because of what I've done for you. It, serving brings provision. He said, don't worry, don't fret. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. <laughs> For he hath said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. God is always there. So, another story. I thought you'd like this. This had nothing to do with the car you left behind. Uh, I, I, it has another, another car came into my life. In college, you go through a lot of junk vehicles. I don't know why that is. But I remember I said, I, I, I was, I, your car, that junk one you left me, God provided and we drove around. I, I, it lasted me about two years. And then I was going up the mountain in Knoxville, and I heard, bang, and then I started rolling backwards. Transmission went out. It was awful. But I was like, all right, this is going to work out. The end of the school year, I'm going home. So I junked that car, made a couple hundred bucks off of it. I'm at home working for my dad, doing vinyl siding. Back then, we had these cool things. They were little boxes. You put them on your belt. They were about that size right there. They're called pagers. 
I'm looking at you guys because you don't know about them. They're the coolest things ever. You get a phone call, it buzzes. It's like, bang. You don't pick it up and answer it. You just look at the number and go, where's a payphone? <laughs> I just got a call. Sometimes we got really crazy and called them beepers because they'd beep at you. So I was at, at the job, and the night before, I was really angry with God. You ever been there? I'm so angry. I was laying in bed. I said, God, I'm here again. I'm about to go to college, and I have no way to get there. I have no car. My car blew up. You know what our worst problem as Christians is? Memory. We have horrible memories. Remember the children of Israel came out of bondage? I didn't forget what I was doing. I'm going back to it. Came out of bondage, and they were with, with Moses, and they said, we should be back there in Egypt. Carrying, that's probably how they talk, carrying stones upon our backs and whips across our backs. We were better off, Moses. What have you done to us bringing out here to die? I'm going to be in the play this year. <laughs> and Moses is like, what, you do not remember what you were going through? It's like I was laying in bed and, and I'm thinking to myself, you don't love me, God. Where am I? Look, I have nothing to drive. You want me to ride a bike to, to college? What do you want from me? And this guy was like, do you forget already? I sold that yellow car. I fixed the gray car. I provided then, I'll provide now. Just be quiet and go to sleep. By then, I'm crying. Nobody saw me. I was crying. I'm all upset. I'm like, okay, but you better do it. You're telling God what you want. Next day, I go to work, back to the pager. So I'm on the scaffold. A scaffold's a long thing that's scary that puts you way up in the air and your dad makes you do dumb things to make money. So I'm up there. That's an air gun. And I'm like, buzz. Why? Why right now? Look around because it looks cool. I'm like, it's Christine. That's my sister. It's a big deal. You know why? Now I have to get down from the scaffold, get in the car, find a payphone, call her back, and hopefully she'll answer and I have one quarter to do it. So I call her, and I said, what's going on? She said, do you remember this guy you met at a funeral? I don't even remember his name. Is Billy or something like that? It was at my cousin Adam's wife's funeral. I said, yeah. I just said, you randomly were talking to him. He don't even know you. You just said randomly, man, I got to get a car for college. I'm going to Bible college. He said, he remembers you saying that. Well, he's been looking for you. He, he went through all kinds of trouble to find you. Back then, kiddos. We didn't have the Google thing. We just couldn't spy on people like the FBI, like you guys do. There was no Facebook. So he had to go through the phone book. He went through a lot of trouble to find me. So here's his number. I'm like, okay, this is weird. So I call the guy and he said, Dave? I said, yeah. He said, I met you at a funeral. Yeah, that's weird. Guess what? I remember you needed a car. For some reason, God won't leave me alone about you, man. All the time, I'm just feeling like God's saying, give him your car for a price. I said, well, I'll pay a price. What do you want to do? He said, let's meet. Let's meet. We'll talk. So here's my address. He lived like 10 minutes from my house. Weird. So I go to his house. He sits down. And it's just kind of weird. His wife's standing there looking at me all weird. And I'm like, hey, I'm Dave. She said, I know. My husband told me about <clears throat> him and God and even, you know, something about his car. I'm like, okay. So he's like, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to sell you my car because you can't find one. I'm going to give you the best deal. And I said, all I could think of is $1,000 because Mr. Harmon. I said, how about 1000 bucks?" And he's like, I don't know. It's a little cheap. Let me talk to my wife. So they go into the room, and they're in there for a while. 
But all I have is this dog staring at me, and I'm just like, this is so weird. He found me, he remembers me from a funeral, and God talks to him, like talks to him about a car and me. And he comes out, and he goes, sorry, we can't do it for $1,000. I said, oh, I understand. I mean, that is cheap. And he goes, God told me to give it to you for $500. Go, well, you need to do what God says. <laughs> he said, okay. I said, okay. And he goes, can you do me a favor? Can you give me a ride? And I said, yeah. He said, here's the keys to the car. Filled out the paperwork. Get in the car. Take him over to his brother's house. I said, just curious, why am I dropping you off at your brother's? Why don't you just drive over there? He goes, because I just sold you my car. He said, I'm borrowing a car. I said, you sold me your only car? He said, yeah. That's why my wife was looking at you funny. I'm going to get the car. I'm going to get a car to borrow from my brother. And I said, man, I feel really bad. But I'm very grateful. I hope it works out with your brother. <laughs> and I went to college. Let me tell you, I don't get all that. But I know this. God knew I was going to work here. And it was a long way away from then. And God knew I was going to work in Tennessee as a youth pastor. And that was a long way away from that period of time. But God also knew that Christian contentment comes through serving. And serving brings forth fruit. And it also brings provision. And God said, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. So quit crying like a baby in your bed. How embarrassing is that? Get up and let me do what I'm supposed to do. Because while I'm crying in bed, God was already working on this other guy and he's crying in bed. Because he's given his only car away. And he knew he had to do it. And the next day it happened. The next day. What's up with that? God's good. And so here we are. Closing this out. <clears throat> in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. He supplies all, his, all our needs according to his riches and glory. And then we conclude. Philippians 4, 20 through 23. He says, guys, before I go, I want you to know. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. Pretty much I'm done speaking. This is my letter. It's closing out. Be content. I'm grateful. Learn to be grateful. And through it all, it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. Being content with where you're at, your junky couch or your whatever car, whatever situation you're in, your arthritis, your sore back, whatever the problem is, learn to rely on God, keep the faith, move on, and then he closes out in verse 23. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Well, <clears throat> that's it. There you go. Sums it up, right? Life is good only if you allow God to make it good. You can do what you want with your life. We can whine and scream and yell about all our circumstances when God is behind the scenes working it all out for our good and his glory and all he wants you to do is be content and wait. Be humble. Be grateful. And when God does supply, thank those people that have brought that your way, whoever God may use, because that's what Paul did.